And we are back, another edition of Kevin's Corner, Kevin Bowen, and uh, Chris Presley out in Cali uh, for a week. Well-deserved vacation for Chris Presley. He'll be back next Wednesday night, actually a week from today, now that I think about it, for Beers with Bowen. And uh, that'll be 8 o'clock again, YouTube, and uh, you can find out a little more info on the website. So we, we, we've gone to the bullpen to bring out our ace, and um, I know a lot of people enjoyed her last time she was on. I believe this is... Your third appearance? Yeah. Third? Third appearance for um, Maddie Bowen on the Kevin's Corner podcast, the mother of Rosie. Um, Mads, we're happy to have you back. Thanks. I'm scooching closer to you because I feel like you're yelling. Can, do you think this voice is good? I think it's good. Um, sound checks look good. Uh, we are not recording this in studio. We're going a little remote for this one. But um, yeah, here we are. Five and two Colts. You're back. Uh, people love the Halloween costume of Rosie. What were your thoughts on uh, the egg, the toast, and the slice of bacon? Oh, it was so fun. I'm so glad everyone liked it. Um, you know, the the real mom coming out in me, just making a homemade costume. She, in full transparency, kept that cardboard egg um, stuck to her for about 20 minutes, but we did it for the gram. Where does Halloween rank on your holiday list? Um... I always love fall in October. My birthday's in October. Um, and football. And football. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love fall. So that ranks it higher than, you know, maybe some of the other outlier holidays like Valentine's Day or Easter. But I think I got to go with Christmas as my favorite. So it, it might be like down the list, like three or four. Okay. Yeah. I like Fourth of July. I'm a big St. Patrick's Day person as well. Obviously, Christmas, Thanksgiving, family's great, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a great Halloween for the Bowens. Uh, today's pod, we will go over five and two start for the Colts. Same as last season. We'll kind of talk about reasons for optimism, reasons for concern. Uh, that was, you know, it's kind of funny when you think back to last year, they started five and two and Chris Ballard really was, you know, admitted pretty much after the season that this time last year, he was skeptical. He knew they were playing with fire. All these one possession games, you know, the missed kicks and is the quarterback play elite enough? And I worry about the defensive depth and things like that. And it did, you know, come back to bite them, losing seven of nine. So we'll go over uh, a few of those. And then uh, Twitter questions, as always. And then lastly, we got a big one on Sunday. I, uh, I honestly think this is probably the best game of the week when you look at the NFL slate. Colts and Ravens, a lot of storylines. Unfortunately, Baltimore dealing with a little covid action right now so we'll hit on that as well and uh you got to give a prediction can you do that oh yeah okay I'm ready. All, right. all right um let's get into it what do you got well you started to talk about it already but sort of the question is why do we have more hope this year um with the same start that we had last year so we're five and two this year we were five and two last year i have more hope i don't even really know why it almost just feels like a gut response um, but I think it might be, I mean, I feel like we should have won that first game. It was Jacksonville, mm, right? Yeah, you're going to go there. I, oh, boy, you're going there early in the podcast. I mean, I just, I'm just saying, like, I feel like we should be 6-1. and one. Right. And then Fair. I just feel like this team is more reliable. Like, I remember, um, I don't know which game this was, but I said to you, like, Jacoby wouldn't have done that. Um, and I have just, like, a little bit more faith in this team, um, like the bones and the structure of this team for some reason. Um 
than I did like last year. It just kind of felt like, oh, we won. What a few, like, yeah. you know, uh, there were yeah, a lot of few moments, you know, you played nine, one possession games in your first nine weeks. It was, it was heart stopping, um, entertaining football, but not sustainable football. And, you know, listeners know full well, they've heard me talk about the point differential. It's plus 62 right now, which is fifth in the NFL. That is a, that is a big number. I mean, that's a really high number. Um, now, obviously, the NFC teams beat each other up a little bit more, especially the NFC West. But still, uh, that number right now is just plus seven after seven games last year. So you aren't playing with fire as much, you know, and, and, and we'll, we'll get into these points about why reasons for hope, why reasons for concern. You know, I, I tend to side with there's more optimism. But again, there will be a couple of just, OK, let's all pause. Let's sit back. And let's really analyze these first seven games and look ahead to the final nine. Yeah, so then let's just move on to those reasons for hope and um, and reasons for maybe some concern. And if you guys want to read this yourself, it's on 1075 The Fan. Or 1075 The Fan. There we go. I feel like I'm so used to still calling it 1075 The Fan. 1075thefan.com. <laughs> We're good. Um, and uh, yeah, so find Kevin's article there. But let's lay this out for the, for the listeners. So um, the first reason for hope that you lay out here is a vastly improved defense. So talk us through that. Yeah, and honestly, that's probably putting it lightly. I mean, this defense, you know, DeForest Buckner, Xavier Rhodes, Julian Blackman, um, and, and really further involvement with Matt Eberflus as well. You know, all of those guys deserve major credit for what this defense has looked look like through the first seven games. It's, it is easily one of the best run defenses in the NFL, um, which is great, and and that's awesome, but they're just taking the ball away at such a higher rate. And, you know, I go back to that Chris Bauer press conference late last season when he was so disappointed in how they fell apart. He talked about creating more plays defensively. I think they have five more first ter- forced turnovers, um, which is just so key in setting up short fields and scoring points directly off those turnovers as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, certainly the opposing offenses they've played are not great, and they're about to get a lot better, but, you know, you think to yourself, okay, if this run game can get, continue to do what they've done, and now you've got Leonard back, can Kamoko Ture give you a little bit of punch, maybe this defense has another level that it can get to, um, which is not something that, that I think I've thought many times about a Colts defense going into the second half of the season. So health will be critical, they're going to play better offenses, but without a doubt, this is the most important reason why I think fans should be a little bit more hopeful uh, compared to last year's 5-2 and two start. Love it. Um, on the other side of the ball, better quarterback play. Another reason for hope. Um, talk us through that, and I think I mentioned a little bit of that initially. Yeah, you did. You know, you, you, you uh, certainly know um, what you're talking about, the quarterback position. Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are getting better quarterback play. And to be fair to Jacoby, he had some nice moments in starting 5-2 and two last season. But when you look deeper into it, you just – you, you just knew that you, it wasn't January-level quarterback play. He had a historic run game supporting him, and yet there were a few key metrics he wasn't hitting. And Philip Rivers is hitting that. Um, I think it's a career high right now for Rivers, completion percentage, right around 69%. Uh, the yards per attempt, I want to say, is a full yard and a half above Jacoby. That is a eye-popping number, honestly, when you look at the discrepancy between the top flight quarterbacks in the NFL 
in kind of the bottom tier. And a stat that I that I couldn't believe until I looked into it a little bit more this week, Phillip Rivers is second in the NFL against the Blitz. And we're talking about a statue back there. And yet his passer rating is number two in the league against the Blitz, which, you know, when you think about it, he has got no support from a run game. Uh, the Colts are still getting better quarterback play. Efficiency-wise, from a completion percentage standpoint, yet creating enough vertically, enough big plays to where you aren't reliant on, oh my gosh, 10 play, 80 yards, you need Marlon Mack to get 40 on that drive. No, no, no. You have won some games because of Phillip Rivers, and I don't think we said that last year to the level that we've said it this year about Jacoby Brissett. He's calm, cool, and collected. I mean, he he makes it happen, which... I feel like if you have nine kids, you <laughs> you sort of just, I mean, we have one and I'm falling apart. Um, all right, let's talk about- Can you about, imagine nine? No. No. Let's talk about the, the third one. So winning special teams unit. Yeah, we, we won't uh, touch long on this. And I know recency bias, people will be like, oh my God, the special teams are terrible on Sunday, which they were, but still, um, you know, the large sample size of a seven game season so far, they've controlled field position really well. Hot Rod has been, again, two missed extra points, can't happen indoors, but he's been a lot better than the kicking you got last year from out of Vegetarian Company. So uh, well-rounded special teams. It's not just, you know, Rodrigo Blankenship and, and Rigoberto Sanchez. It's you've, you've had some nice returns. You've done a nice job in kind of controlling that field position with the hidden yardage. So um, I, I do think the special teams unit overall has been better than uh, where it was at this point last season. Cool. Now the not-so-fun part. Maybe we should have started with this and then wrapped it up on a happy note, but we have to be realistic here, right? Amen. Bring us down to earth a little bit with the the first reason for concern, um, which is the rushing performance. Yeah, flat-out pitiful uh, this this season. You know, you are averaging, I think it's nearly a full yard less per carry than you were last year. And, And I just think back to some of those rushing performances the Colts had last year, that either kept them in games, won them games. I mean, you had the Chargers out of the gate, the Titans week two. Everyone remembers the Kansas City game on Sunday night football. You had multiple games of at least 150 yards rushing. And this year, boy, I think it's maybe the Minnesota game, which was so much running in the fourth quarter. I think that's it. You haven't had anything over like 120. And a lot of games, you know, well under 100 yards. And that's just not how this team is built. And uh, that is the reason for concern of, I think this offense is playing with fire. And that's what worries me of just when you start to get in more shootouts, when your defense can't constantly create the short fields and turnovers, your run game has got to start to be a little bit more reliant, supportive, whatever you want to call it. And I think another thing that kind of worries me is like the Colts have had chances to really pad their run game stats. You know, they, there haven't been as many one-possession games this year or fourth quarters where really there's a lot of pressure. And yet still, the run game numbers don't look great at all. So um, you guys have heard me say it, with a healthy offensive line, it's uh, it's maddening, honestly, to see their numbers rank where they do. And I tweeted out a couple of um, videos of their rushing performances past week. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. You know, Jonathan Taylor has had his you know, problems for sure. But then the run blocking, the miscommunication, like Ryan Kelly and Phillip Rivers going to each other after a play, looking at each other like they're two, you know, walk-ons. It's like, hello, you are the 
one of the highest paid centers in the league, and the quarterback is, you know, a 17-year vet. Those two aren't on the same page. Like, that's what I think is worrisome is you've had the continuity, you've had that group together up front, and yet it's been so poor. So uh, I would say that is probably the biggest on-field cult-related concern that I have heading into this back half. As someone who absorbs this Colts news on a little bit more of a surface level, this one is the one that concerns me, which is schedule strength. So talk us through why that has you a little bit um, concerned. Yeah, um, this is, again, non-Colt related, their performance on the field, but this is the reality of how the schedule has been laid out. Uh, It's incredibly front-loaded. They have played the easiest schedule in the NFL. The metrics say that, and really it's not even close, to be honest with you. And now all of a sudden you get to the back half, and you literally will face, I mean, think about the nine games. Six of them are against teams that are either in the playoffs or right there. And Vegas is really the one team that is right there. But you have Baltimore, Tennessee twice, Green Bay, Vegas, like I said, on the fringe. And then um, at Pittsburgh in Week 16, which, remember, with only one bye this year, Pittsburgh could still be playing for something, non-undefeated season at that point. You know, if Kansas City's right there and there's no head-to-head tiebreaker, they uh, the Steelers could be playing for something at that point. Um, I, I couldn't believe this earlier. There's 13 teams right now in the league with a positive point differential. So nearly half the NFL, um, I guess a little bit less than half the NFL, with a positive point differential. And the Colts haven't played a single game against any of them. So now all of a sudden you're going to face Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee again. Like these tests, uh, you guys heard of the college basketball analogy that I gave on Monday. It's it's going to get tougher. And even when you look at the three games against teams that are not in the playoffs, I mean, Houston is not a 1-6 football team. Deshaun Watson, I, I don't want to see him. If I'm Chris Ballard, I mean, that's not a normal one and six football team. And then you got Jacksonville in week 17. And, you know, I, this probably is a little bit too aggressive, but Doug Marone has kind of owned Frank Reich a little bit when you look at the head to head matchups. I probably have to look into that a little bit more, but that's something that just is a scary thought to say out loud. So um, now in Indy, it's been a different story, but still, you know, Jacksonville has, has played really well against the Colts. So, um, you know, again, overall, I do feel like fans should be more confident. I, I don't expect this to bottom out anywhere near like it uh, did last season. But to be, to be frank, the schedule has been about as soft as you can get in the NFL for a seven-game stretch. And now it's going to get a lot more difficult. Uh, but you position yourself really nicely. I'm not a believer in kind of the middle-of-the-pack AFC teams to be a big threat with you wild cards. So, um we, we've talked about it all along. It would be a huge disappointment if this team missed the playoffs. You get an extra playoff spot this year. Um, you're sitting here at 5-2. and two. You know, I, I again, um, now I, I think the next question is just, can you win a game in the month of January? I fully expect them to make the playoffs. I think that's kind of the next goal uh, that we're going to find a whole lot out about here over the next, uh, next few weeks. I'm not sure there's any chance that the Colts would win the Super Bowl, but I feel like this would be a terrible year to win the Super Bowl. Oh boy, I don't know if there's ever a terrible year to win the Super Bowl. I mean, just no fans. I mean, if you've won it before, then 
I think it is equal to winning the Super Bowl in a different year. But if you've never won the Super Bowl and you win the Super Bowl your first year with no fans, wouldn't that just be kind of a bummer? Yes, and, and, and I and I hear you out. And obviously, like, would you have a parade? Totally not. I don't, I don't know. You know. Can we all wear masks and everybody go to Georgia Street? I, I, I don't know. Maybe a, a circle? Who knows? Yeah, um, you're right. But let's be real here. I mean, I know. I mean <laughs> getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Uh, well, that and also, I mean, what else do we got to watch in 2020? I mean, Notre Dame wins a national title in football this year. Yeah, Kevin Bowen will be celebrating. Oh yeah, I know would be celebrating, but I'm more thinking for the players than the fans. Yeah, when you when you beat each other up though for 16 weeks and you go through that physical grind. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you're looking at it on a one to a hundred scale, it's not at a peak a hundred. But it's in the 90s. I mean, you're still, you know, putting your body through that. On a, and, and think about the sacrifices all these players are making. Totally. You and know? We could all just use a win this year in general. So for this for this crew, at least, these this listener base, we all a, a 2020 Super Bowl win would, I guess it would be 2021, but it would really turn some things around. We all could, definitely. And, um, you know, again, when I look at the AFC right now, I, I still put kind of Pittsburgh and Kansas City in a class. But then when you get to the other teams, there's been a little chink in the armor that we've started to see. And now, you know, the Colts are going to get tested. And, and if they have flaws, they will be exposed. And if they can maintain through this stretch that maybe they don't have as many flaws or they counter with that, maybe the January outlook looks uh, looks different for Frank Rice Bond. Cool. Do you want to jump into Twitter questions? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got a um, got a good amount that are some left over from Monday, but a few throughout the week. So we'll uh, we'll dive into those now. Okay, let's start with Jay Cook. Do the Colts treat Jordan Wilkins like Donald Brown? I remember Brown coming in for a struggling T. Rich and providing a much needed spark, but never getting the starting nod. Do you remember Trent Richardson? Uh, I know the name. <laughs> I, I, I think you would have been a more effective running back than him. Oh yeah, just a bust, total bust of a dra- of a uh, trade by Ryan Grigson and company. Uh, yeah, I, that's a great comparison, uh, Jay Cook. Sorry to start Twitter questions off on such a doom and gloom note, but yeah, I mean, I was thinking back to I mean, Donald Brown was averaging five yards a pop, and you know, even that next year, that was 2013. I think the next year, I mean, you had Ahmad Bradshaw, you had Boom Richard or uh, Boom Richardson. You had Boom uh, Heron also averaging like over four yards per carry. And finally, they benched Trent late in that season. Remember, it was so weird. He like was supposed to be on the team playing to New England for the AFC title game. Then they left him at home. And I mean, Boom Heron was your starter in the old uh, in the old AFC title game. But, I, you know, Jordan Wilkins, like I was talking about on Monday, it's not like he's been averaging five yards per carry this season. I mean, he was averaging 3.2 per carry entering Sunday. And that's where you put, I think, more of this on. Is this an O-line issue? Those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, I can't go full there yet. And we'll get into Wilkins. And I mentioned on Monday, those starting numbers. You know, him as a starter, 2.8 per carry. Him as a reserve, like 5.9 a carry. You can't ignore that stuff. But still, I will repeat what I said on Monday. Um, I think Jordan Wilkins should be uh, should be this team starting running back for the first couple series. On, uh, on Sunday. Cool. From Niles, with the Ravens um, LB group, linebacker group quarantined, how can the Colts take advantage? Um, tight end crosses, screens, etc. 
Loved the play for Hines for score. Mm-hmm. Also, is Joe Burrow luck 2.0? What do you think of the Naeem Hines celebration? I thought it was great. You called it a cartwheel. <laughs> I, I, but you quickly corrected me. Yeah, it was. I mean, I did some gymna- gymnastics in my day. Never quite got to that level, but he is super talented. And then we watched that um, piece that the local news did on it with Samantha Pezik, and she said that he had to have an insane amount of adrenaline running through him to get that kind of air with a, with his helmet and pads on. So just really impressive, actually. Well, you called it a round off. What'd you say? Round off? Round off twist? Something yeah, like that? it was a round off back twist, I think. That was a hell of a move. Gosh. Um, okay, linebacker. Oh, Joe Burrow, Luck 2.0. Uh, yeah, I like Joe Burrow a lot, but, you know. Let's let's pump it just a little bit there on the breaks. Okay, Ravens linebacker group quarantine. How can the Colts take advantage? So right now, you know, Marlon Humphrey's out, tested positive. In my opinion, he's probably their best player, not named Ronnie Stanley, who's also out. But then you also have all these close contacts. You know, you got seven of them. So I started looking at the numbers of how much these guys played last week. And if you take Humphrey plus the seven contacts – They combined to play, I think it was 41% of the total defensive snaps for the Ravens. So none of those guys are going to practice this week. So basically Baltimore is going to go through the entire week of practice, not have nearly half of their playing time that they had against Pittsburgh. Like, got to feel like that matters somewhat. I mean, again, you know, if all five of these guys continue to produce negative tests, then they can play on Sunday, but still. I mean, half their defense not not practicing all week long. Yeah, that seems to bode well for us. Um, yeah, definitely. So uh, the group, Matthew Judon, Patrick Queen, Deshaun Elliott, LJ Fort, Malik Harrison, Terrell Bond, Tyus Bowser. What a great football name. Um, they all played at least 10 snaps on Sunday. And three of those four are were their top tacklers. So, I mean... It's notable, uh, you know. Niles points out here, you know, how can you take advantage of that? Yeah, the tight end usage. How about running backs out of the backfield as well? Um, you know, half that group I think is linebackers. So can you involve them a little bit more um, and just do some design stuff with Hines? Would be a great usage guy in that. I'd like to see more of the Mo Alley Cox we saw early in the first half as well on uh, on Sunday. So. I do think that this is a storyline that even if these guys play, which it looks like they will, you know, all you hear from these coaches is practice, practice, practice. It's got to matter to some degree. All right. From Jace, or sorry, J- Jacob. I meant Jacob. From Jacob, assuming this is T.Y. Hilton's last year, do you think he has done enough to be considered for the Colts' ring of honor? Boy, Jacob, I love T.Y. Hilton. I do, but no, nah, I can't, you know, I handed out enough Halloween candy. You just can't be handing out Ring of Honor inductions like that. You know, and, and, and literally, if you look at the Ring of Honor, you will laugh at some of the names that are up there and how the standard back from 1984 to 1996 is a little bit different than the standard here over the last couple decades. So, yeah, I mean, again, Hilton... He really needs to round off that resume. One more playoff run, another couple 1,200-yard seasons, something like that. He's been a great player for this franchise. But sooner or later, you know, you're going to have to have 200,000-seat stadiums if you're going to keep on expanding the ring of honors like you're expanding them. So, 
uh, yeah, again, T.Y., the greatest draft pick of the Ryan Grigson era, the greatest acquisition Grigson made, but with this resume right now, I can't be handing him. I, I, yeah, no, no. Can't be putting him in the ring of honor. Sorry. So, no. No, I can't. <laughs> I, just kidding. I, I can't, but I, I don't want to sound like I, I hate the guy or like he's a really good player. He's a really good player, but I mean, you got the 12th man in the ring of honor. You got Jim Harbaugh in the ring of honor. Like, what? <laughs> Come on. This is the ring of honor, not, you know, you're coaching IHM's fourth grade volleyball team. Yeah. All right, let's move on. This is from Matt. Hey, Kev. Hope all is well. Are you at all surprised why the Colts didn't make a move on Yannick? Oh boy, Nagakui. I was. I think that that's pretty good. Honestly, good effort. Um, I think it's Yannick and Gakwe. Yannick and Gakwe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. N. Mr. N. Yeah. Uh, you know, not really. To be honest with you, uh, you know, it's it's a fair question, but um, you know, third and a fifth, I believe, is what. Baltimore gave up, and we're talking 10-game rental. You know, that's what I try to hit on Monday's podcast of, you know, the whole trade deadline debate of these these are such rental moves. And the fact that Ballard has hit on so many kind of third and fourth round draft picks, I think he views that of if I can get the long-term security of, you know, four years, my own guy in my own building, those sorts of things. Um, I think that played into it. And also, I mean, the Ravens are just screaming win now. They're screaming win now, and, and like I said earlier, is the Kamoko Turi injury, is that something where you look at that and say, okay, that's our trade deadline acquisition, and who knows? You know, I'm just leaving Colts practice a little bit ago. Frank Reich has not ruled out Turi for this week, and he looked fantastic on Friday, according to Reich. I mean, you guys have heard me say that before. If Turi can give you that jolt to close out the season, that would shift my thinking a bit and how I currently view this team in the month of January. Cool. Now I'm hyper aware of my cool um, word again. Oh, you say cool after I read. And yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> and Latrell's question: <laughs> Who had a better rookie season, Vic Ballard or Jonathan Taylor? Oh, Latrell! I mean, come on now, Jonathan Taylor's season's not even halfway over. I mean, <laughs> Vic Ballard, another guy that I liked, liked a lot out of that 2012 rookie class, the corkscrew flip. Um, was the Fosbury flop, I believe. Yeah, that was a great play down in Nashville, 2012. Overtime win for the horse. Um, I think this question's based off expectations. You know, Vic Ballard's drafting the sixth round. Jonathan Taylor's drafting the second round. But if you look at the numbers at this point in their rookie seasons, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, honestly, he's been a little better. So, um, like I said, you know, can you get Taylor coming off the bench? Let him ease into things. Let him be a bit of a spark. Watch some blocking assignments on his Microsoft Surface. Sit with Tom Rathman and Jordan Wilkins. Face a defensive line that maybe isn't as fresh and whatnot. Um, yeah, I think those are all kind of things that I'm, that I'm curious about. Okay. So from Tal, this is a thorough question, so stick with me here. Hey, okay. Cabo. Hope fatherhood is treating you well. Is it, is it treating you well? It, it, I think so. You're good at it. Thank you. I'm frustrated by all of the non-contact injuries the Colts seem to pile up. Not sure if you saw the video of Coach Howell that the Colts put out, but I found one section interesting. He said on game day, 
They don't stretch as a team, and he lets the players do their own thing. With the non-contact injuries from Mack, Hooker, Leonard, and T.Y. this year, this seems alarming. The week Darius pulled his groin, they showed him dancing while stretching his groin. I know they are professional athletes, but there is a reason every team has a strength and conditioning coach. Do you think there is some validity to this, or am I just fishing? Nevertheless, go Irish, go Colts. I like this question, and it kind of goes back to the round off back twist. Like, he shouldn't be doing that in the end zone. That's like, that would be qualified as a non-contact injury, too. First off, go Irish. Okay. It's a big one Saturday night. It's huge. Yeah. Um, so you don't think Hines should have flipped? I do not. You know, Frank Reich loved it. Uh, now, would he have loved it if, Frank, if Naeem Hines wouldn't have stuck the landing? Absolutely not. So... Yeah, I, I, this is literally the question that I have no answers for. Um, now, I will say, stretching as a team, you know, I always remember the past era, Gary Brackett doing the drums to Phil Collins in the air tonight as they stretch before each game. You know, I, you know, with the home games I'm at, when I'm looking down there, I feel like most teams don't stretch as a team. I know there's some teams that do, but. Yeah, Tall, this is just such a hard question for me. I, you know, how much is this preventative stuff? Is this, you know, no off-season stuff? Is it nutrition? Is it, you know, rehab? Is Malik Hooker a guy that just, the ACL, he's always going to have some lower body issues? Is Paris Campbell a guy that's just breaking down? Like, it's just, it's so hard for me to, like, give you an answer on that. Um, it seems like the Colts are very individualistic with their rehab stuff and their stretching and workout regimen and those things, which to me, that kind of makes sense. Like you have 330 pound offensive linemen and you have 170 pound DBs. They all don't need to be doing the same thing. So the whole team stretching, you know, yeah, we all love our scenes and, you know, uh, remember the Titans. Yeah. And remember the Titans when they're stretching and whatnot, but like, you know, stretching as a position group and the replacements. <laughs> well, yes, I was going more with, with remember the Titans, but yeah, that's that's the yeah that's a little bit different stretching, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I think I tend to side with a little bit more individual stuff. Makes more sense to me. Okay, from Trenton, do you see any similarities between this season and the 2018 season play calling wise? Reich doesn't really know what he has in his QB's arm, no matter what he says publicly. And he starts the season with very conservative play calling. And then around the midway point started to stretch the offense out. If Tyquan Lewis keeps trending upwards, is that draft class the best ever? Two all pros, starting OT, and two good DEs. DNs. Um, yeah, as far as the 2018 question, I mean, Luck threw it a ton early in that year. Vertically, not as much, but he threw it a lot. I just think Frank Reich's offense is a little bit more quick rhythm and that's certainly Rivers' game. Rivers knows he can't move back there. But I also would just kind of disagree with the whole conservative play calling aspect to it. Like, look at the Colts' big play numbers this season. They rank relatively high in the NFL. This is not dink and dunk central. And I even think last year, they felt like they had some plays, you know, route, route tree concepts. Okay, four guys go out on a route. Not every route is some underneath route. There are multiple levels to your route tree, and there are guys that are getting behind the defense, trying to get into that you know first level, if you will, I guess third level, if you will, if you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint. 
So I, I can't go there. I just think Rivers is attempting some of those passes that weren't attempted last season. He's kind of funny. Sam DM'd me on Monday after the pod. And I was talking about the Ashton Doolin third and 14 play that had the pass interference penalty. That is Rivers attempting a ball Jacoby never would. So I just think it's taking advantage of some of that route tree. Gotcha. Agreed. Uh, from Carter. Hey, Kevin, hope you and your family are doing well. Thanks, Carter. And happy belated Halloween. I have a question regarding T.Y. Hilton. Do you think he is back with the Colts next year? With Paris Campbell hurt and Michael Pittman not flashing on game days, do you see Chris Ballard giving T.Y. a prove-it deal? I'm just throwing out a number, but maybe a one-year for $7 million contract. Boy, Carter, um, I like the sound of that value, honestly. And that last part is not why I'm that, that, that last part is why I'm not slamming the door shut of the Campbell Pittman not flashing on game days. Um, I really like the value that you threw out there. Now, right now, T.Y., I want to say is around $14 million a year. So you're cutting that in half, which, boy, uh, that's a bit of an ego check. But the numbers are the numbers. And now another lower body injury, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes for him. But I think the biggest thing for T.Y. is he's got to understand that he is not number one wideout value anymore. Um, not even close, honestly, to the upper half of number one wideouts in the NFL. But still, I could bring him back if he's willing to take a price cut. Um, you know, two for 12, two for 15, I, I don't know, like that sort of stuff. And okay, one more chance at it. Maybe you really front load it. But, you know, the whole Pittman-Campbell storylines, it just – it just sucks. Like it really hurts the evaluation at that position. Um, I was thinking about this as well a little bit earlier in the week. During camp, when Hilton was such a possession wideout, part of me now looks back on that and thinks, is that just him finding spots in the Colts zone heavy defense? Whereas now he sees a little bit more man. You know, Cincinnati put William Jackson on him pretty much the whole game, their best corner. Like, he's starting to see a little bit different game plan stuff than he saw, certainly, um, during camp. Um, so, again, that's something that's kind of popped into my head a little bit as well. Anything else on that one? No. I think, again, I'm not slamming the door shut. T.Y., I'm not. I'm not going full there yet. Um, it, it's not looking great, but... I'm not slamming that shut, and a part of the reason is just I, I don't know if I want to put that much pressure on Campbell and Pittman yet. From AJ, Bobby Okariki's snap count is now pretty significantly higher than Anthony Walker. Is Bobby proving to be better than Walker, or is this the Colts wanting to see if they can move on from Walker this coming se- offseason? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Colts like Bobby Okariki better. You know, th- there's a reason why he's playing so much more, you know. Uh, you know, certainly against the pass happy teams and you are playing the best players flat out. Like that, that's what you're doing. They, they like Anthony Walker. I still think there's a chance Anthony Walker comes back, but this isn't so much of what we, what we have in Bobby Okariki. We need to see it. No, no, no. They believe in today's NFL, his skill set is better suited um, to use on the field more than Anthony Walker right now. From John. Hey, Kevin, if Ture comes back and looks like he did pre-injury, are we comfortable with letting both Autry and Houston walk in free agency? Combined, they're just shy of a $20 million cap hit 
And we could use that money on a Kenny Galladay or an Allen Robinson. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting scenario. I would not be, just because Ture, to me, is purely third down, and I worry about his ability to stay healthy. You know, he's proven to be a little bit fragile, which is not a word to use lightly, but that's just kind of how it's been. I don't think he's a first and second down guy at the level that you need your run defense to be at. So I still think Houston and Autry have given you something that you like. Yes, it would save some money, and I love the idea of a Galladay or Robinson, but that D-line just means so much to Ballard. And, you know, under that, it's, okay, Tyquan Lewis and Al-Kadeem Muhammad, you're starting D-ends on rundowns? And then Ture and Banigou behind them? Like, ugh, I, I don't – that just doesn't seem like something Ballard would um, – would do okay creative though yeah very no i trust me i love the idea i love it this is from um mcm i think 24 yes xxiv um where would you rank leonard among nfl's linebackers would you put him above bobby wagner my friends are adamant that wagner is better than leonard last year's stats prove otherwise you know he it's either leonard or wagner in my mind, if you look at the stats, it's flat out Leonard. I mean, there's no doubt about it. All the big plays and all of that. And Bobby Wagner has just been so reliable. Probably does a little bit more in the run game, if we're being honest. But it's just kind of flavor of what you want. Do you want more of the impact plays? Or do you want somebody that 16 weeks out of the year, first through third down, against the run or the pass, consistency? Um, so again, I, I think it's all in the flavor of of the linebacker. I pro in this defense, I think Leonard makes makes more sense. But I mean, Bobby Wagner is a stud, stud. From Casey, I may be dreaming, but is there any comparison between this team and the '15 Broncos team that carried an aging Manning to a Super Bowl? Boy, Casey, um, yeah, whatever you're drinking before your dreams. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean. Come on now. That Denver team, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, and these people, like, more in their primes. Uh, their corners, Chris Harris, even their wideouts. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas. I mean, those guys on this Colts depth chart? Yeah, I don't. God, Peyton was dead. Peyton was dead at that point. He was, are you a Peyton fan? Yeah, I am. I love Peyton, and I've loved him um, in his retirement, too. I think he's so funny on all the commercials and stuff. Yeah, he is. He is uh, he's one of a kind. You know, that year, Denver's undefeated. Came here, Luck, and the Colts beat him. Lacerated kidney game for Andrew Luck. Played, finished that game with a lacerated kidney. So, um, but yeah, no, I can't go there. I can't, yeah. I'm sorry. Nope. Can't compare Rivers to Peyton. Well, not even, honestly, Philip, you might argue, looks a little better than Peyton right now. I and mean, Peyton was, that arm was as good as, you know, Rosie's Dog. arm. Yeah. I mean, it was it was struggling. Yeah. It's just, they had so much around them. Yeah. I mean, Rivers doesn't have that much. Certainly not on offense. Okay, from Primus. Hi. Do we need to go rapid fire here? Uh, probably. I have a call in 20 minutes or 10 minutes. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go quick. I got to work. Let's go. Okay. Um, from Primus. Hi, Kev. Inject your answer to this question right into my arteries. <laughs> I like that. On Sunday, Bengals beat Titans, Vikings beat Packers. Do these results change how you view the Colts' victories over the victors? 
and how you preview their upcoming matches against these victims. I mean, this guy, I, I love him, or girl. Um, they will, I think previous is a guy. Um, they will not change him, honestly. I mean, look, yes, you've had some big injuries. The Ravens, certainly with Stanley and, and uh, Humphrey, and we talked about Taylor Juan on Monday. But, yeah, I mean, teams lose games in the NFL. Um, but I think the body of work of these teams still s- speaks for itself. And that, yeah, maybe a little lull, maybe some injuries to these teams, but still, if the Colts can go out and beat these teams, I still think that is much more indicative of a, a truer January contender. So, um, yeah. From Connor. Hey, Kevin, what seems to be the issue with Taylor? Wilkins came in and did amazing. What does this mean for Wilkins in terms of touches? Love the pod. Listen every week. Keep up the great work. Thanks for listening, Connor. Yeah, appreciate that, Connor. Um, I would say vision, decisiveness, reading blocks, pre-snap reads. I mean, all of it. You know, I I said it on Monday, and I'll say it again. If you're going to give true serum to that offensive line, I think they'd rather have Jordan Wilkins' running style than Jonathan Taylor's running style behind him. I do. And I know that Taylor's the flashier, and he's got the pop and all of that, but there's just some growth and some maturation. You know, when you looked at those next-gen stats that I talked about before, I want to say they had, like, um, rush yards over expected. I think Taylor was dead last in the NFL last week. You know, I, I tweeted out that video. Check that out if you haven't seen it. It's just, it's, there's just a little bit of, just something's not all the way there right now. Wilkins is probably a little bit more methodical, but I think you'll see more of just a positive nature, potentially. And run game is so ebbs and flows and hot and cold. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor wouldn't shock me at all if he came back and rushed for 100 yards at some point this season. But right now, you ride the hot hand, and that's Jordan Wilkins. Cool. Let's go four more questions. Rapid fire. Big Bama, with Marcus Johnson playing, do you think the Colts are using um, in a Dontrell Inman role where they won't fully commit to him, even though he earned it, or he's more like a break in case of emergency guy? Yeah, it's funny Frank Reich mentioned that, but I think Marcus Johnson is here to stay a little bit more than Inman. Got to remember the age difference. Marcus Johnson, at least four years younger than Inman at, at, you know, a few years ago when Inman was doing that. I think Marcus Johnson has an unrestricted free agent. I think he gets brought back next year. Cool. Colin, what are your thoughts on the NFL adopting the short-term IR permanently? Colin, I kind of like it. Uh, maybe not unlimited guys coming off it, but I, I, I kind of like it. Gets more guys to play. Um now, having said that, I am a big, I like the behind-the-scenes puzzle pieces that teams have to put together, but still, I think it's something that could be adopted. Conroy, how much would it cost for you to attempt a Heinz celebration like we saw Sunday? Oh, Conroy, <laughs> you wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> see, Conroy, like, it's not even how much would it cost. Like, I physically cannot do that. Well, no, well, like, I, well, physically well cannot I, I, I physically can't even put the my two hands on the turf and get my feet up in the air. Right? Yeah. I mean, you could give How would you describe my my flexibility? Your flexibility isn't too bad. I mean, you are one to stretch nightly. Uh, I haven't done it lately. Yeah. Baby changes things. But um it's more just coordination rather than flexibility. You think I'm so clumsy. I have some hand-eye coordination. <laughs> Okay, and last question from Cry Mia Rivers. Um, 
Strasser as an OL coach. Should we be concerned slash move on? Yeah, it's kind of a popular one that we get, obviously, moving on from Gouge to Chris Strasser. You know, they had such great success last year, so I can't go all the way there. But then I see some of this miscommunication stuff and just just too many free rushers and not identifying. Is that Rivers? Is that on Kelly? Those are two extremely intelligent guys. You wouldn't think it's that. So, yeah, it's um, it's extremely disappointing that when you've invested that much into that group and they're performing like that, yeah, I mean, some of it you got to point to that position coach to a degree. So, um, boy, it's a big second half of the season for that uh, for that O line. Well, speaking of the season. Let's wrap up a little bit. What do we got? Three keys to this Sunday's game, a win against the Ravens. Two and a half point, I saw as a spread right now. Ravens are favored. My first key is going to be defensive discipline. It, you know, it's this, Justin Houston talked about this today. It's this balance of keeping the guy in the pocket in Lamar Jackson versus actually knowing that, oh, wait, I still need to rush the passer. Try to get him down. You know, he is the most unique quarterback you'll face in the NFL all year. They run a college football offense, and they're so dynamic at it. Um, so that defensive discipline, you know, you hear about Eberflus talk about it a lot. Assignment, alignment, those are two popular words. But I also feel like the Colts have the athletes on defense too. And if you can control their kind of, you know, in between the tackle, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards run game with your front, and then let – Leonard and Kenny Moore and Bobby Okereke clean up in space, which I think you, you I think you play a lot of nickel and you let Kenny Moore be part of that spy package that, that you use. Um, I saw a stat today. Colts have missed the fewest tackles in the league. I think that's something that could be huge. Second key, win the early downs, both sides of this. Colts did a great job on Sunday against the Lions, putting them in a ton of third and longs. Baltimore, their D-line still, I think, worries the Colts. And... Um, you know, they don't have any of those guys out, COVID-related. Now you got Yannick Ngakwe as well. So win the early downs, stay out of the obvious passing situations, make Lamar Jackson throw from in the pocket on third down. Lastly, take Lamar Jackson's gifts. thought it was really interesting. Maddie, I asked Matt Eberflus this on Monday about spying Lamar Jackson, and he really stressed a big key is you've got to hide your spy. Leonard is the most obvious example, but again, Hide him, disguise him. Maybe one time he's spying from in coverage first, and then he kind of reverts more to the line of scrimmage and he starts to spy. Maybe he acts like he's going to blitz and he drops back, but yet he's still spying. Use Okariki on a few downs. Use Kenny Moore on a few downs. Those three I would trust in that role. You don't need to see Grover Stewart spying, Danico Autry spying. So I think that's really key. But Lamar Jackson's going to give you some gifts. They give up a lot of sacks. Uh, we saw the turnovers last week against Pittsburgh. Got to take advantage of them. And what is your overall game prediction? I'm going Colts 27-24. I thought this would be a win at the start of the year. And I think the injuries to Baltimore is no joke. Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey. Um, ton of penalties for the Ravens as well. So uh, I think they make Lamar play from behind. And uh, he has a big turn- turnover late as they march for a game-winning drive. Baltimore, our old stomping grounds, right? Isn't that where the Colts used to be? Correct. Correct, correct, correct. Um, all right, I got three questions for you really quick. Okay. Who'd you vote for? I'm not sharing that. <laughs> you trying to lose some listeners? 
Notre Dame, Clemson, Saturday night. Who you got? Notre Dame. I feel very confident. Do you mean that or do you just want me to be happy? I mean it. And I want you to be happy. Masters next week. Who's winning? I don't even know who's in it. The Masters? I mean, is Tiger in it? He's the defending champion. <laughs> okay. We'll say Tiger. We'll just give you the best week ever and say the Colts will win, Notre Dame will win, and Tiger will win the Masters. She's then- Maddie Bowen. <laughs> Never mind. Say it. Never mind. Thanks for listening. She's Maddie Bowen. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. Great weekend. Um, you will not be back on Monday, right? I will not. Okay. So we'll have to find a fill-in for you. Um, hope the YouTube comments treat you well. Thanks for doing this, Matt. Thank you for having me. As always, we appreciate the, appreciate the listeners. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the nice weather. See you.